Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 7, Episode 7, or the 7s. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And I think maybe we're talking about some media tonight. The media that we're, we're talking, talking about tonight is... Uh, we're talking about a movie, and that movie is called Bait. 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 And yes. Um, based purely on the title, with no okay. prior thinking time whatsoever. Okay. Um, I, I can, I'm going to tell you the plot and the characters of this film. This is a um, mockumentary <laughs> about um, that bloke who does fishing documentaries. Fishing documentaries. That was also in an action, like some kind of series that people liked. It's one that you're like, oh, the older ladies tend to like. The older, um, one for the older ladies. Yeah. What's his name? Um, fishing documentaries. Or was he in a band? <laughs> I don't know who you're talking anyway. about. Oh man, I wish I. Uh, <laughs> it's not Jason Isaacs, but he's someone a bit like that. Um, so okay, that'd be interesting. He's on Twitter, so we we should definitely hit him up and say, <laughs> "Are you one him. for the older ladies?" <laughs> he, he is one for the older ladies, but um, it's not him. Anyway, that one okay. out of that band, maybe out of that band that had a long-standing number one, uh, Pink Floyd. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, Pink Floyd. That's it. No, no, it's not. Okay, um, it's a mockumentary featuring someone who's normally in a real fishing documentary, but this is a mockumentary. Okay. Uh, uh, of them doing a fishing documentary hmm. um, and then it's, it turns out that what it actually is is a romantic comedy and not a mockumentary well it's a mockumentary that, that has a, a romantic comedy plot oh okay so it's meta like The Office yeah okay so it's meta so it's sort of um, there's, there's a movie within a movie going on no no it's just that the plot of the mockumentary is yes. these people falling in love over a fishing rod. A fishing rod? Or over a flapping, not dead yet A flounder. Fish. A flounder. Yeah. <laughs> or a skate, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, well, the question you've got to ask yourself is, if this film is not that, why has someone not made that film? Well, I would pay to watch that movie that you just described. Right. I mean, you'd pay uh, to watch almost anything. Hmm... Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, but maybe really maybe not it. to the maybe not to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although, have I ever walked out? I've never walked out of a cinematic screening. The the only uh, film that I remember yeah. seeing people walk out of. Yeah. No, I saw something recently that I think some people walked out of Mother. Well, that's understandable. But the one that I saw people walk out of was Train Spotting. And okay. I think they thought it was about train spotting. That's very silly of them. I think. Because if if they looked at reviews or previews or have any idea about media at all, they'd know it's not about train spotting. Yeah. I think it was at the time that train spotting came out. I think mm. in that screening, two middle aged couples walked out. I think it was because they thought the film was about train spotting. Well, if they're listening, um, it's not about train spotting. You've, you've lost Andy C's respect. <laughs> Very much so, yes. Very much so. Uh, however, I do find that to be quite amusing if they did right. think it was about train spotting and yeah. they went along and saw drug taking and yeah. sex and, and like, violence. Oh, this. Um, what should we watch today? 
<laughs> oh, let's go and see that film, oh, Train Spotting. Yeah, well, I guess they they turned up at the cinema and they're like, "Well, what's on that we might enjoy?" I've heard it's got the eighteen thirty seven from Doncaster in it. <laughs> oh, that's my favourite train. That's, How did you know? That's sad. It's sad that because that's really ruined their afternoon. If that's what happened, hasn't it? Yeah. It, well, and it's too late to go watch it, something else. To be fair, I, I think they deserve it. What? Well, I don't. I feel sad. I feel really sad about that. <laughs> you don't look very sad. <laughs> yeah, and then walking out of Mother, I mean, that just makes Mother even better to me. It makes it even better. I wonder at what point they walked out of it, though. Uh, how far they got through it before yeah, they decided, yeah. okay, that's enough. You see, I'm probably misremembering. It probably wasn't even Mother they walked out of, so I won't go any further into that anecdote. It's probably a lie. Well, it's a. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty good anecdote. It's like the um, the stuff that was probably made up about the Exorcist. It's not that kind of people thing. fainting and vomiting and that kind of thing. I mean, so far, what it is is some people walked out in Mother. That's not that good an anecdote. No, it's not terrible though. <laughs> I mean, I've heard worse. <laughs> yes, yes. I've told worse. Uh, in these days of, um, we're still in lockdown, listener. So if you're listening to this, a year hence. Maybe. Maybe you've just discovered us. <laughs> We're currently in uh, coronavirus lockdown. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we always record virtually, so it makes no difference to us at all. Yeah. It's just the rest of my life that's um, ruined. Yeah. This bit of it is... This bit is the same. The same. Okay, shall I, shall I talk about what bait is actually about? Okay, just to say, by the way, I'm pretty much starting to... Well, I, don't, I wouldn't want to say definitely going to be feeling better from now on, but after having after feeling pretty low when okay. it all started, mm. I'm now, for whatever reason, not a good reason, feeling okay. Maybe, um, maybe uh, you have um, Helsinki syndrome. What's that? As in Helsinki, Sweden. <laughs> That's a quote from Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. Always makes me laugh. Always makes me laugh. Um, I guess. I guess uh, your brain gets tired of worrying about things, and so it stops for a while. Well, yeah, because worrying about something never helped the outcome. No, but that didn't stop me. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't stop anybody from worrying. No. no. So, listener, if you're having a hard time at the moment, then uh, our thoughts are very much with you, and we hope that um, things work out yeah. well for you. It is. It is a tough time. It is a very tough time, I think. Um, shout out to all of the all of the people who are looking after children, mm-hmm. um, any any age of children, um, and they, you know those children would normally have some some level of freedom or be able to go and see their you know um, other members of the family and spend some time with them, and they can't do that at the moment. So shout out to people who are doing that because it is a tough job. Yeah. Yep, and keeping also, them entertained. Um, to people who are just in, who are feeling scared and just hiding in their home for for good reason. Yeah, and also for, to people for whom the home is not a happy or a safe place. Well, that that is that is worrying to me. That, that that's something that I've worried worried mm. about to an extent is about people who, prior to this, were, you know, victims of, of domestic abuse. What are you going to do? You can't leave the house and get away from the person who's been doing that to you. That's very difficult. Mm. Yep. Um, very difficult. And I don't really know what the answer to that is um, at all. 
and to people in our country and other countries where that don't that have lost their income. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yep. it's very scary and very uh, sad situation. I think and I'm very lucky that all I had to worry about was feeling worried. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm in exactly the same situation in that I only have to worry about worrying. Yeah. Um but a lot of people worry about much bigger things than that. So, our thoughts are with you. Yes. Um in fact you could get in touch and tell us how if you've got any tips, I think we asked this before, but we'll ask it again. Yeah. If you have any tips for, um, you know, coping with this very strange situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah, hit us up on Mastodon or Twitter or the blog, artificialworks.net yeah. slash goodrobotandies. We'd like to hear from that. you, because as we were discussing before we started recording, we know you're out there. <laughs> well, some, something or someone has downloaded some... <laughs> Things yes. last month. So, <laughs> yeah. if we have any listeners, and if they have any tips, and yeah, as we say, tips for movies I, to watch. Yes, that'd be good. Um, as as I've said before, I know we do this for our own amusement, but <laughs> I crave your approval. So, <laughs> <laughs> so please give it to us. Anyway, go, I'm I'm yeah. terribly sorry for distracting you. Please, that's okay. Um, so, Bait is a 2019. British British drama film written and directed by Mark Jenkin and it stars Edward Rowe as a struggling fisherman and the film deals with the tensions that arise between locals and tourists in a Cornish fishing village against the backdrop of second homes, short-term lets and gentrification. So it is about fishing. It is about fishing, yeah. It is about fishing. Um... But this is an un- a very unusual movie these days in that if you think about, I'd, you know, most people, some people, if they wanted to make a feature movie, they might try and secure the funding to shoot on 35mm or maybe 16mm and they do it very conventionally and they shoot using sound or they might even shoot digitally mm-hmm. to save a bit of money. Mark Jenkin doesn't do any of those things. So Mark Jenkin has shot it on <clears throat> um, 16mm film that he has processed himself. He shot it on a hand-cranked Bolex camera. Hand-cranked? Hand-cranked. So was he there turning the handle while he was yep. filming? Yep. Yep. Didn't record sound, or maybe recorded a guide track onto a separate recorder, but all of the sound has been post-synced. Oh, Every wow. single piece of sound has been post-synced. So oh. dialogue, sound effects, or Foley. So, you know, it's Foley and ADR done after the fact. Whenever I notice the sound's been done later, it really puts me off. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty obvious that the sound has been done later. Right, right, right. Um, so it has a a feel to it that is very evocative of, say, 60s and 70s cinema. Yeah, I mean, it must... Presumably, a lot of films were made that way at one point. Yeah. Well, Sergio Leone, who made the Spaghetti Westerns, he post-synced everything. So, um, although he recorded sound on set, he would then go back and re-record everything, dialogue and sound effects. So those those Spaghetti Westerns with Clint Eastwood... Mm -hmm. 
um, Clint is basically dubbing his own lines. Wow, so that's a lot of extra work for the actors. Yeah, a lot of extra work, but it does give you a lot of control over the yeah. look and feel of a movie. And if you're filming in dramatic outdoor locations like westerns, yes, you can understand that that it's hard to get good audio. Yeah, very very difficult to get, and particularly at that time period when their their sound recording equipment was pretty basic. Mm. These days, you might get away with it with a bit of close miking, but back then, all you would have would, would be a boom camera. A boom camera. A boom microphone, rather. Um, so Mark Jenkins has, has made a movie like, you know, like the films of yore. Um, so he's hand-cranked, 16mm film, self-processed. So he uses his own chemicals. He doesn't buy them. He makes his own processing chemicals. So, and then if he messed that up, he would damage the film. Yeah, so there is actually some damage on the film. Oh, wow. Um, so there's like hairs and cracks and stuff like that on the film that is is there because it's been damaged during processing. So has he done that because he's like a hipster or because he had um, no choice or what? I mean, you've got a choice because well, digital he does have, as, as we said at the top of the, the top of the description, he, of course he has a choice. He could choose to find the funding to shoot it on... 35mm, 16mm, or digitally. He's you could even shoot in. <laughs> so, he, so he likes the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it does work. It does yeah. work. And, and the... Um, so the plot is that this guy, um, played by Edward Rowe, is a, was, is a fisherman, but doesn't have a boat... So he um, he fishes locally using a net, just fishing in the harbour. Okay. Um, he sinks a couple of lobster pots, but he's basically living hand to mouth, catching sea bass and selling them to pubs and to people locally. You know, he's not making much money out of it. His brother, on the other hand, um, does have a boat, but doesn't use it for fishing. So his brother uh, takes tourists out. Mm-hmm. on the boat to do fishing trips like drunken yuppies and that kind of thing um, to which the character played by Edward Rowe is he looks looks down his nose at his brother because yeah, of, with of this okay. he's not impressed with that at all um, so they've also sold their family house to some towny folks who in addition to buying the row of houses, have also they also own the street, mm-hmm. and they have private parking on that street, which causes a lot of friction with the local people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the movie is about the friction between people who've lived there and worked there all their lives, and people who are moving in, uh, buying up properties, mm-hmm. doing Airbnb. Or just going, you know, second home type people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the friction between them and those new people. And that friction is palpable and you could cut it with a knife. You know, it's really, it's always there. So when you go to the local pub, there's hassle between the locals and the, um, the towny people who's got second homes. Um, there is sort of internal friction as well. So, you know, there's um, people try and try and sort of get him to calm down about being so aggressive and 
adversarial towards these people, but it turns out that he's kind of right about <laughs> about the fact that they're a bit of a waste of space, really. Um, but his uh, the young lad that he, he has a young lad who helps him out with his fishing. He's having a relationship with one of the townies kids and that causes a bit of friction at the pub as well um and all the while you've got this uh this very interesting aesthetic this very interesting way that he shoots this so it's it's shot in a very old-fashioned way so you you'd have like a wide shot of someone walking along the road road or something and then you're cut to sight just their boots mm-hmm and then cut to them doing something with their hands. And then, you know, there's a lot of um, detail work of what <laughs> people are doing with their bodies, that kind of thing. Almost silent film or, style. It's very much choreographed like a silent movie that has some a bit of dialogue okay. and some sound effects. So, yeah, it's very much a, a show-me-don't-tell-me kind of idea. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of looks. There's a lot of um, tension between people looking at each other in an adversarial way. Mm-hmm. Very much like a spaghetti western, in fact. Right. I mean, there's a lot of um, in the. I'm I'm making a rectangular shape now with my <laughs> hands, but there's a lot of shots in the spaghetti westerns of Clint Eastwood's eyes, right, 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 right. and him kind of narrowing his eyes, yeah. looking at somebody. There's a lot of that in bait. Right, right, right. Um, I found that once I got used to the aesthetic and the look of the feel of the movie, I was absorbed with it. But it did take me five or ten minutes to settle down into it right and get used to it because this is a film that this this film has been made in a way that people just don't make movies anymore mm. um and that in itself is inter- is interesting <laughs> performances are really good across the board so there's um there's a character played by Edward Rowe there's the um the folks who are who have bought up the street and all the houses uh they're all very good. I mean, um, uh, interestingly, they're played as kind of uh, sympathetic in some ways and outrageously crass in other ways. You know, they're sort of fairly right. rounded characters. They're oh, not just good. pantomime villains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have you kind of have sympathy and empathy for everyone, for everyone's point of view. But ultimately, I suppose it would depend on how you feel about the gentrification of of places like that mm-hmm. in how on which side you fall really um on how you really feel about it um i really enjoyed bait i think it's it's a cracking movie um i think the whole that the whole hipster thing is probably valid mm-hmm <laughs> Right. Um, oh, it's also shot in Academy ratio, so it's four-three ratio, so old old style TV. So wow. <coughs> he shot it full frame. Um, he hasn't he hasn't matted the uh, the frame at all. Okay, yeah. So it's full frame, black and white as well. Right, full frame, black and white, so sixteen millimeter. Does all this stuff have meaning? Like, is it just you know? Is it just the way he decided to make the film because he likes it or does it have um, I guess maybe it, it communicates that it's a bit like a spaghetti western if that's what he's trying to do maybe I'm not really sure if that is what he's trying to go for um, I think that it 
if you were to make okay, so if you were to make this just shoot this digitally, mm-hmm. what you would have is quite a soapy, straight down the line story. When when you say soapy, what do you mean? Like as well, in a soap opera? Yeah, so mm-hmm. a bit melodramatic, a bit overblown, right? Maybe not as credible. Um, whereas the whole thing with the the particular way that it's been shot, and with the post sync dialogue and sound effects. Mm-hmm. It makes it into something different, and okay. and quite un- these days quite unique. Mm. Um, so yeah, of course you could shoot this digitally. You could shoot this on thirty-five millimeter with sound recorded on location, but I don't think it would be the same. It would not be the film that it is. So it does have a purpose. It definitely has a purpose. Okay. For 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 being. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, there, I mean, on the Wikipedia page, there isn't a lot of information about it, really. So I'm, I'm trying to remember what happens in the plot. But um, um, there's a there's a nice scene when one of the townies' kids steals his lobster from a lobster pot. So mm-hmm. this kid's got sco- not scuba gear, but he's got like a snorkel and you know. Mm-hmm. Flippers and a wetsuit steals the lobster. His parents know that the lobster's stolen, but they don't do anything about it. Oops. Um, he finds out that obviously he finds out that the the um, lobster pot's been broken into. He goes to the pub. This is towards the end of the film. He goes to the pub, and we're expecting him to start a fight because mm-hmm. he walks in with a lobster pot in one hand and a knife in the other hand. Mm-hmm. And the, in classic style, the pub goes quiet. <laughs> he walks up to this kid, drops the lobster pot on the floor, gives him a piece of rope and the knife and says, doesn't say anything. And the kid starts to mend the hole in the lobster pot. Nice. And then when he's finished, he just takes it and he says, thank you. And then just leaves. <laughs> Nice, really nicely done scene because it it messes with your expectations about what you think might be about to happen. Right. Um, in fact, something else, something completely different happens because there has been a lot of friction between him and the the folks who have moved in, and you see in this scene that he is trying to defuse it a bit. Right. Even though he would be in the he wouldn't be in the right to harm this kid, but he'd be in the right to kick off about the fact that his. Pot's been damaged and, and his lobster was stolen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. He'd be, you know, be well within his rights to to give them a lecture about that, but he doesn't. Um, I think he's trying to show him that there's a lot of work that goes into maintaining this stuff, and yeah. you know. Um. So, um, the film the film ends with um, some quite shocking violence. That kind of happens by accident. So um, mm. his the the kid that's helping him with um, with the boat gets injured in an accident, and then we cut to him and his brother and uh, the, the young girl who works at the pub. They're all going off on the boat. And all of the stuff that said tourist boat has been removed and they're actually going out to do some fishing. So it mm-hmm. kind of, things move on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his brother kind of starts the fishing up again, which is cool. Okay, so here's the question. 
Yes. It's a bit different this time. Okay. Uh, I have no intention of watching this. It sounds okay. miserable. <laughs> I Convince suppose it is quite me. miserable, yeah. Convince me to watch it. Okay. Um, <laughs> you said you enjoyed it. You said that I multiple did enjoy times. It. No, I did enjoy it, yeah. It's, it's Once you get into the rhythm of it, it is very enjoyable. I guess my point but, is not only that it sounds miserable, but also it sounds like it's not saying anything that I haven't already heard, you know, which is that... Um, you know, it's horrible that these people are being, uh, their lives are being made worse by people coming in and not really thinking about what they're doing and what their impact is. And yeah. Yeah, there is there is nothing new in, in terms of the message. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. It's not saying anything new, but it's saying it, it is saying it in an interesting way. Okay. So, you know, if you think about a message... If you can get a message across in a new and interesting way that people might listen to, then this film does that. Right. Because it did, it did make me think about gentrification and how that can be damaging to a community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because people get priced out. You know, the local people who want to go and buy a house yeah. can't do it anymore because yeah. the prices have gone up so much. And even um, even potentially the... The way they make a living doesn't make money anymore. If um, if they if they have to pay higher rent and it doesn't yeah doesn't work anymore. Well, exactly. And also, if you are, uh, you know, you're catching fresh fish, but if somebody can go and buy that same fresh fish at Tesco for less money, they probably will. Which is a difficult thing. Yeah. So it, that's you know, all it fair enough. Yeah, it talks about all of those things. I'm still not going to watch it. That's fair enough. But, <laughs> but maybe guess, listener, maybe listener will. That's what this podcast is for, though, right? It's to yeah. um, it's so that you yeah. can find out about a film without having to go through watching it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, shall I read you what Mark Kermode wrote about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's a big, um, he's a he's a a torchbearer for this movie, Mark Kermode. Okay, okay. So he says Cornish filmmaker Mark Jenkins' breakthrough feature is a thrillingly adventurous labour of love, a richly textured, rough-hewn gem in which form and content are perfectly combined. Okay, so he thinks the form has has meaning for the content. Yeah, I'm, I'm not totally convinced that it does. Okay. Um, the, the movie is both an impassioned pian... Pian? Pian? I don't, how do you pronounce that? Um, to Cornwall's, what it means. Yeah, to Cornwall's proud past... <laughs> An abrasingly tragicomic portrait of its troubled present and possible future. Okay. He calls it a genuine modern masterpiece, which establishes Jenkins as one of the most arresting and intriguing British filmmakers of his generation. That's high praise. It is. Yeah. And I said uh, I haven't heard anything that explains why it's worthy of it. <laughs> <laughs> I but think I um means I so to, to sum up, I think as a labour of love it's it's pretty astonishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't make movies like this anymore for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard work. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it. It sounds like it's one person doing a lot of the work, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's yeah. uh, that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's um it's not a one man band. You know, there's there's yeah. a crew, um, but but certainly the aesthetic and 
the whole reason for this film existing is because Mark Jenkins wants to make it that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's definitely not a director for hire. This is definitely his passion project, mm-hmm. which is to be commended, I think. And it is an impressive piece of work. I mean, it's the, it, it's the kind of thing that if somebody said to you, I'm going to make it like this, you'd say, yeah, good <laughs> <Okay>. luck. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but actually it works really well. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And it's called Bait. Cool. Um, and it's available on... Uh, I'm just going to look up where it's available. I found a, a website called Where to Watch. Um, no, it's called Just Watch, uh, where you can look up where you can watch movies online. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll put, a, we'll put another grid, like the one we did for Wes Anderson, on mm-hmm. the blog, if that's okay. Um, so it's available to stream on the BFI player, which you can get um, uh, through, if you've got an Amazon stick or an Amazon box, you can get it through there. Uh, also available to rent from Amazon Video, from Apple, and from Curzon Home Video, and to buy from Amazon and Apple. So there's is there's the, a few places where you BFI can see player? it. Uh, it's... Uh, the BFI player is a is subscription. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, you can watch it on BFI player if you've got a subscription. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's available in a few places, which is cool. Cool, let us know, listener. And also see if you can convince me to watch it if you liked it. Yeah. I'm not really sure what else I can... Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Just watch it. It's only it's an hour and a half long. In fact, it's probably... Well, oh, that's the best reason I've heard so far. 18, 89 minutes. <laughs> Of black and white misery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So there you go. That's bait. Thank you very much. That's okay. Any plugging? Yeah, I've got some plugging, actually. So this is not plugging for me, but actually plugging for a former colleague of of mine from the place where I used to work. Um, His name is Chris Whitehead. And he is a uh, a pub quiz master, so he runs pub quizzes, but not at the moment because um, all the pubs are closed. So he's hosting a um, a virtual quiz on uh, Facebook. Uh, it's called the Big Quiz Live. So if you go to facebook.com slash forward slash Big Quiz Live, that's all one word, no camel case, no caps, Big as we always life. say. Big quiz live. Or search Facebook for The Big Quiz Night In. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's doing two of these things a week oh, on cool. Thursdays at 9pm and Sundays at 8pm. Cool. And are they in some way interactive? Uh, I don't know how it works because I haven't attended one. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, three random quiz round subjects, 15 questions in each round. He then shares a bonus picture round once the broadcast ends for some extra fun. Nice. Um, if you get a Facebook top fan badge for my page, for his page, you get to help choose or vote on future quiz round subjects. Cool. And so, if you're missing your regular pub quiz, it sounds ideal. Yeah, definitely. So he said that uh, he got 100 people for the last one. That's good. Which is very good. There's no fee, but there are optional donations to Charity Secret Santa and Sophia Community Larder, which sounds like a uh, food bank. 
cool. Yeah, both charities are working very hard during the pandemic. Was it called Big Quiz Live? Did you say Big Quiz Live Big on Quiz Facebook? Live. Yes. Live. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. That's my that's my plugging. That's somebody cool, cool, else's cool. plugging. Cool, cool, cool. Because um, we're good like that. <laughs> uh, plugging for me, I quite often I do um, prayers at church. Right? So I like stand up for a few minutes and um, say some words that I wrote, uh, like trying to lead the church in prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. At the moment, our church is entirely online. So I'm doing prayers for the next, for Sunday, the 12th of April. So uh, I think... I'm going to record it, that's my point. Mm. Um, and then they'll play it during their YouTube on Sunday morning. But I might also just link to my the My Prayer bit on my Twitter. So have a look on there if you want to do that. Okay. Um, quite often my prayers, are, I, I stick on there in text form, but this will be in video form. Ah. Noise. So, you know. I have to think about, I have to say something vaguely positive because it's... Um, Easter Sunday, it's all about Jesus being resurrected. Yeah. So I can't just be a big downer like I normally am. (laughs) 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 We'll see what I can do. But actually, there's quite a lot to be down about at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's ideal for my style. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to see how I I struggle to introduce some positivity, then that, that should be a treat. There's always positives. There's always something positive. Yeah. Always. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine said some interesting things that are quite inspiring, so I, I will try and work some of that in. Well, I mean, you could talk about how uh, the BBC have pushed up the release of Killing Eve Season 3. <laughs> right. Because of this. Of, oh, I see, right, right. Yeah. So we're kind of slightly tired of Killing Eve. Like, the first one was very exciting. I think it lost a little do. bit on the second series. Yeah, series. I wasn't I wasn't sure what it was doing in the second one. It was good though. And what's interesting is that each season now has a different producer. Okay. So this third one has a different producer to the first and second series. Mm, mm, mm. So maybe it'll have a different tone. Mm. Yeah, I thought the I thought the second one started well but kind of lost its way pretty quickly. Mm. But I watched it all, you know, I watched the whole thing. Yeah, me too. And I think um, she yeah. is very engaging. Yeah, and there's yeah, some great good. there's some great performances in it. Kim yeah. Bondia, who plays her handler, is a legend. Yeah, yeah, legendary actor. Um, what was I going to say about BBC? Oh yeah, um, I'm kind of hoping they're going to put Yes Minister on on iPlayer. That would be cool. That would be good actually. Yes Minister's good. I th- I thought I'd heard a rumour that they were going to, but it hasn't appeared if they're going to do it. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Good show, less min- yes, minister, less minister, less minister, <laughs> less ministers. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it is. And I never properly watched Yes Prime Minister because my dad said it wasn't as good, so I kind of spurned it. But I think I'd quite like to just complete the set and watch all these. I remember watching things. bits and pieces of it because I did like that show. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't remember it being quite as good. It wasn't quite as sharp. I'm sure it wasn't, but I mean, at this point, you've got to watch them all, right? The yeah, you've got to catch them all. Do things now. Got to catch them all. What have we been watching? We've been watching Elementary. Oh yeah. I uh, still really like that. Mm-hmm. It's just really consistent and 
Yeah, you know what you're getting. Um, and we've been watching the series seven of Brooklyn Nine Nine because it's just come on E4. I haven't started watching that yet, so we're still watching series six. Uh, I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, it's just so comforting and hilarious, and yeah. I think um, series six is going to feel the feel the absence of Chelsea Peretti as the secretary who doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. I, I actually so the other thing we've been doing is go. We've gone back to season one, episode one, to watch uh, with my son. We now oh, have wow. decided he's old enough. Um, yeah, him, he's old enough for that. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's enjoying it. And yeah, yeah, and she's in it. And I'd forgotten about her and how good she is. She's so funny. Um, it can live without her, but um, yeah, she is good. Because because she doesn't do anything. Yeah. But she she just has the best pithy one-liners and yeah. really out there things that she says. I uh, uh, if you're wondering what that was earlier, by the way, I dropped a pen. Uh, if listener heard that, Andy just dropped a pen. <laughs> I just dropped a pen. There you it's, go. Uh, it's from time to time I do drop a pen. It's part of the charm of the podcast. Because you're fiddling with a pen. Because I'm fiddling with a pen. Sometimes I'm fiddling with something else. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So note that isn't what you thought it was. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine, very good. Also, been watching a little bit, slightly ashamed to say, been watching a little bit of um, House of Games, which is uh, Richard, what's his name, with the glasses, House he's very tall. House of Games. Oh, Richard Ayoade, yes. No. No, Richard, oh, yes, Osman. Osman, Richard Osman's House of Games, which is like daytime TV. I've never seen that. To the max. Um, and it's very gentle, but the um, the question setters... Mm have done a far better job than they really needed to for oh, just, really? a, for just so a standard decent quiz show. So not only are they decent questions, they're also they're also incredibly challenging to come up with. That like they did almost deliberately set themselves hard questions yes. to set. Well hard categories because each round has different has a like a, a hook to it, which is a different way of phrasing the question or, or you know structuring the question. Right. And uh, they seem to enjoy coming up with things that are going to be challenging to write questions in that format and then do a good job of it. Okay. So that's fine. It's very gentle. I would not recommend it. I don't watch any daytime television. No. We haven't been watching in the daytime. Oh, okay. It hasn't gone that bad. <laughs> You're not watching um, Piers Morgan? No. <laughs> good. <laughs> Is he on our screens at the moment? He's on every day. Oh, really? Yep, every day. Yep. I, I thought we'd got rid of him to America. He went to America and came back. Presumably they kicked him out. Mm, okay. Like, get out with your your um, ham injected with white privilege. <laughs> Which is what Nish Kumar called him. <laughs> to his face, no less. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, respect. Respect, indeed. Uh, speaking of which, have you seen um, the new series of uh, Have I Got News For You? I saw a little bit of one episode of them doing it remotely. It's very good. It, it's, it worked okay. Yeah, it's definitely watchable. What's yeah. more watchable is the MASH report. Oh, really? Are they doing that remotely? They're doing that remotely, but that's really good. I've been really... I, I really liked uh, the MASH report before. I didn't realise it was back on. I'll have to. Yeah, it's back on, but they're all doing it remotely. Is it on um, um, all four or something? Uh, BBC, yeah, iPlayer. Oh, it's on BBC, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. 
Excellent. Oh, still I'll funny. Check that out. I like still funny. So you know, like the bits when Nish Kumar talks to camera. Obviously, they're still doing that, and they're cutting mm. away to, um, because it's not studio bound. Like, have I got mm. news for you? They can cut away and edit in the stuff from the news mm-hmm. desk and mm-hmm. and Rachel Paris and stuff like that. So I, I love the exchanges between um, Nish and, and Rachel Paris. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah, yeah, really good. So good. Yeah, so that's back on. Definitely worth awesome. a look. Worth a look if you're yeah. so inclined. I am. Yeah. Um, what else have we? I'm trying to think what else we've been watching. We we've been going for fairly lightweight stuff. No, we haven't. No, we've been going for some heavy stuff as well. Noughts and crosses. Have you seen that? Oh man, yeah. I'm watching that with my daughter because I I read it with her. I read the book with her. She started reading it, and we we realised she actually needed someone to help her through it, like right. to understand it and to deal with the like emotions. There's of it some and big stuff. themes there. Yeah. So we read the first book together. I kind of read it to her, and then we talked talked it through and stuff. Mm. Um, ah, so now we're watching it, and I just I just found it utterly agony and stressful and sad for the first couple of episodes. And I think mm. I've kind of worked through all of the pain, and I now know I've now prepared myself. I've almost gone through it all already. So now we're on about episode four out of six, mm. and. It's fine, you know. Now everything actually is going wrong, but I've already emotionally worked through that. <laughs> so my, I haven't read the books. Right, 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 right. I wasn't even aware that there were books. Oh, they're by a famous uh, children's and young adult author. Oh, okay. Oh, I've forgotten her name. My yeah, a feeling, whole series of books. My feeling on the TV show is it's a bit on the nose. Right. It's a bit. Uh, it's a bit obvious. In a lot of ways, I think it's, it's supposed to be though. It's really glacially slow. So that first episode, yeah, that oh, first I episode. It, I was just finding it such agony. Oh, I think it's almost perfect. Okay, That's interesting. Yeah, uh, glacially slow. I thought the second episode was better. Uh, I'll, I'll watch the whole thing because there's some good there's some good performances in it. But yeah, I can just kind of see where it's going to go and yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, it's too. It's for me. It's a bit too on the nose, but I will watch it all because it's right, decent. So I would, I would suggest. Yeah. Can't, let's come back to it when you finished, when you finish watching, and tell me whether okay. it did go where you thought it was going to go. Yeah, okay, because it may not. Yeah. Because I thought I knew where the book was going to go, and that isn't where it went. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll get to the end, then we'll, we'll have a post-mortem on it. We won't do any yeah. spoilers, but um, the, I can highly recommend the books, especially for... So there's a particular thing in the book that really struck my daughter, um, uh, which was the thing about plasters. Right. Um, because she's she's got a few black friends, and, and they're, um, they're in approximately the same social group as... Mm us yeah um and i think she she kind of thought we were in a kind of post-racist society Mm. and there's this bit about the plasters and how in in the book that so the the, we should say (laughs) the um the setup of the book and the tv program is essentially that um uh, there's an alternative history and the african empire has has kind of oppressed britain so we're we're living in a society where um uh the african uh descended people and the actually african people are uh like are like a dominant in a like apartheid type system 
so there's this scene where someone hurts himself and they put a plaster on and the plaster is the color of black skin. Yeah. And this was this, this incredible moment for my daughter of realizing that all the plasters that you get here are all the color of white skin. Yeah. And uh, this was this was a huge shock to her that that this no. was that you know this was the case. Now maybe that's been driven by that TV show or maybe those series of books. But Tesco have just released in the last, actually before lockdown, they released a range of plasters in a range of skin colours. How interesting! Yes, <laughs> I wonder whether it is related. But um, it might but yeah, be. Yeah. The, and what's interesting about that is that they, the hardship of wearing a plaster that stands out on your skin is not a major hardship compared with other hardships. But um, no, but, it, what but it's, it says it's symptomatic. About it's symptomatic of, yeah. of society that doesn't see, you know, uh, that doesn't understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it um, and it had that effect on on my daughter. She was really thrown by it. Mm. Uh, which, if that's the only thing that happened through, through her reading those books, I think it's worth it. But yeah, it is worth it. She's actually really invested in the characters, and the this, some of the characters continue through the other books, and all kinds more of more stuff happened. Um, she really loved it. I only read that first book, mm. um, but yeah, I've been. I won't. I won't say I've been enjoying the series, but I have found it. They, they changed the book quite a bit, but I think they've done. They've changed it in ways that they needed to and that worked. Okay. That's cool. And uh, I've been liking it. Excellent. I think it's I think it is straightforward about what it's doing because it's like young adult, it's not it's not trying to be sophisticated, it's trying to make the point that it's making. Yeah, I know what you mean, but if you think about, you know, like like the granddaddy of all young adult stuff, which is to me is the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. That manages to make some quite subtle and interesting points about society and prejudice and Right. In a I less in a less heavy ha- games in any form. In a less heavy-handed way. Okay, okay. Um, but of course, of course, there are young adult stuff that it does do it in a very heavy-handed way. Probably the nadir of that is those. Um, oh, what are they called? Uh, Allegiant and right, the right, right, series right. of books in that, which are just dreadful. Something that was interesting about watching the series compared with the book is that because of all the visuals in the TV series, mm. you can't. It it can't be subtle. You can't gradually realise what's going on. No, it's pretty. It's yeah, yeah. What it's, happens it's in, in your the face, book, isn't it? Yeah. What happens in the book is that you gradually realise even the kind of central thing, um, that uh, that the more privileged people are black and the less privileged people are white. That only comes across gradually, and you you eventually you realise what's going on. Hmm. Um, you can't do that in a TV series. No, that's true. And also, it it's not so clear early on that it is like an apartheid style situation in the book whereas right. I felt like it was much clearer in the TV series it's clearer from the very beginning in fact there's a preamble that tells you that it kind of tells you it yeah so it yeah. was yeah um, that was a different there was a different sense to it so maybe I'm porting across some of the subtlety maybe. of the book into the TV yeah maybe the book is highly recommended I want to okay. say Mallory Blackman hmm don't know. Are you looking it up on the internet? I'm going to look that up on the internet. This is where a man looks something up on the internet, folks. Yes. Hmm. Well remembered. Mallory Blackman, OBE. Ooh. She wrote. She wrote lots of famous things. Let me just find a list. 
She wrote Knots and Crosses um, but, and some other young adult things, but she also wrote stuff for younger kids. Ah. Uh, which is where I had heard of her before. Um, not, actually, not a lot of names that I of the books that I recognised, but I definitely recognised her name from that, from just lots of kind of fun kids' books. Yeah, okay. Egg. Egg. I said egg. Um, what else have we been watching? Uh, there's a show called Secrets of the Museum. I think I might have talked about it on the last. Oh, part, you did. Actually. You did. You did. Yeah, 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 I think I think I did talk about that. <clears throat> yeah, nothing else really. We're trying to keep it light, apart from Knots and Crosses. Right, 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 right. We're trying to keep it light and frothy. How far are you into Knots and Crosses? Uh, we finished episode two last night, so right, 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 okay. we're catching up. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll revisit that. Yeah, okay. We will when I've finished it, and I'll tell you whether it got better or not. Um, whether it went the way I thought it was going to go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to know. Yeah, okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Is that it? I think that's it. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. See you next time. Bye.